For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. I'm Richard Skipper, and I'm celebrating. So who or what are you celebrating tonight? I'm celebrating the fact that Mercury is in retrograde, day two. We've got until June 3rd, so fasten your seatbelts. Anything can and will happen, but embrace it. Uh, it's a time to take a pause. Breathe in and just know that anything can and will happen and just be prepared for it. So for those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. My show is about celebrating. It's about celebrating life, celebrating art, celebrating artists. And boy, do we have a great artist to celebrate tonight, Lorna Dallas. I have been a fan of Lorna's for quite some time. And I'll tell you a little bit about our history. Uh, years ago, I'm, and I'm still working on this somewhat, uh, I was working on a project, thanks to my dear friend, Carol Channing, celebrating uh, all the women and a few good men who have played Dolly Levi and Hello, Dolly. And I became familiar with a production of Dolly that played in London and the West End, uh, starring Danny LaRue. And the Irene Malloy of that production was Lorna Dallas. And I reached out to her for an interview, and she said yes, and I got to know her through that interview. We actually ended up appearing together when I appeared as Carol Channing in a celebration of Julie Stein with the 92nd Street Wise production of Lyrics and Lyricist celebrates Julie Stein here in New York. And we got to know each other through that. But over the years, uh, I've become a huge fan of hers. And whenever she's appearing in New York, if I can be there in the audience, I'm always there to celebrate her. I also uh, want to uh, go in a different direction for just a moment uh, to talk about something else that I want to celebrate, and that's cooking shows. Uh, because I want to talk, if those out there, I know I'm going off course for a moment, but there's a reason. Uh, I just finished watching an incredible series on HBO Max uh, celebrating uh, Julia Child. The show is Julia, and if you haven't seen it, you've got to see this show. Uh, so I thought that tonight, before I bring Lorna on, uh, that I would start uh, with a uh, a cooking show. Uh, so uh, I hope that Lorna will uh, indulge me, and I hope that all of you uh, will indulge me as well. And uh, I'm going to leave uh, the screen, and uh, we'll just start tonight with a little cooking show. Mix that in. And again, I'm going to cover this. How many is that going to feed? About 20. I just think so. Marvellous. Well, it is. It's marvellous for a party. Or I know, it is. Like. There's good. a meal. Because it's still got to have the 12 eggs in it yet. That's and only four. Oh, I want 12. Oh, I might put six. I'm really going. And then just cover six. that. It's very Australian, isn't it? Six. Just I cover that. I'm cooking there. this over. Would you be quiet for a moment? On a, a fairly high heat. Anyhow, we've done that. Right. Well, while our that's best. cooking, our let's welcome and give best. a wonderful warm welcome. She's a beautiful, talented singer. Please welcome Lorna Dallas. <laughs>
Thank you, Lorna. We'll see you, Lorna. Ladies and gentlemen, Lorna Dallas. Lorna, if you just clear the piano and things off yeah. the set and set up the dining room, yeah. then you can come and join us in the yeah. kitchen. Just it properly, okay. though. All right. Don't Good take girl. long, though. We haven't got long tonight. Um, <laughs> I said it was a light dish. Now, that's just going under the grill and going to cook carefully, I hope, until the cheese is golden brown and melts. So, what's wrong now? Just turn it uh, down. Uh, the last one, you did your bone uh, So that's it. Lorna, have you finished that dining room yet? Oh, yes. Very have slow, you done it? Isn't yes, she? I've done the dining room. I might as well come into the kitchen. Oh, why not? Oh, you must think. No, I'm not fasting. You're not too dusty, though, are you? A little wine. Oh, yes, Beautiful please. song, beautiful Thank song. Was that piano very heavy? Oh, yes, it was. But you, you, you've yes, got good yes. muscles and everything. Because oh. oh. that's come from Thank singing you. all those arias oh. and the... the Oh. But you did it. I heard you in the street this afternoon. It's done very fast. One of those hot, hot street, things yes. you were doing. <laughs> those are vocal exercises. Oh, are they? Oh, yes, to get it in the mass. A little, I'll tell you what no, I, was going, I was going to ask something. Go I'm yes. glad you did. Hearing you sing, yes. you gave up medicine for, uh, for a singing career, didn't you? Yes, you I chose did. between the two. Yes. Because actually, remember any medicine? Because I've well, got a bung eye, actually, and I wonder if you'd have a look at it for me. <laughs> well, I never do kitchen calls. <laughs> <laughs> you can ne never get anything for free, can you? <laughs> What about, what about the other thing? Now, when, you were, when you were in opera at the Met, which yes. you were, you, you sing yes. opera there, what was your favourite? I think Susanna and Major Figaro, because yeah. I made my debut in that role, yeah. so oh, lovely, that has yes, to be a favourite. Yes. But yeah. how would you become an opera singer like that? Because most opera singers, one thinks of being very large, huge people, rather than petite men. Around bosoms, we're not oh. being rude, but normally they are huge women, aren't they? Yes, they are, that's, but that's a misconception. Yeah. Today's Is different, it? I think. Yes. You have to have the glamour. Is something burning? Are we all right over there? No, we're all right. Okay. Oh, no, we're not! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> How astute she is. It's very good. Yes, I suppose it's also I thought I was going to have to treat a burn The real old divas, they were, of course, they were those shapes, weren't yes. they? Well, they yes, were but big you have to be more, Yes, we have to be more glamorous yeah. What about days? your transition from opera to sort of like popular music, like you're saying? Well, I enjoy the popular music very much, you yeah. know. It's something that I enjoy all the time, so why not sing it? Do you it? want to knock up a couple of these for us, these omelettes? We've got oh, two more oh, sweet ones. Oh, lovely. There's something that, look, there's something, all you have to do is open the door and take those two out, and I'll get the sauces to go Open with them. Everybody ought to have me. Automatically. She sings the kitchen happy soul, isn't I she? I can cook too. Oh, and you love barbecues too. Shut up, never do this. Drench up with some icing sugar. <laughs> we'll swap marinade recipes one day. Oh, yes, we have teriyaki right, sauce. I'm amazing. Plenty on both. Plenty, plenty. Yeah, what's that, All right. Now stand oh, back. Oh, yes. Love it. Stand back. Stand back. Where's the. Zorro. <laughs> it is like that, isn't it? Oh, it is. That's called a bull omelette, obviously, a that bull one. Omelet. I don't know how this Ollie! is. Ollie! What's that brand in there? Oh, my God, that smells wonderful. It just makes mm. a nice topping, doesn't it? It gives okay. a finish to it. Well, omelet. what we did, we did, oh. some, we did some cherries in Kirsch. Oh, to go with the dress. Yes. How and it's almost the same colour, too. Yes. And the black contrast as well, and the smoked salmon. Right. Everything coordinated. And then the other one we did, we did some lovely mincemeat, fruit mince with some mince brandy. Meat. To do it the same as you would, say, for yes. Christmas, rather yes. than having the traditional Christmas yes. thing, you could have an omelette with this mincemeat with brandy. Oh. with another delicious one. Just very, Lord, very, very swing this simple is, This is honestly red Take hot. Take out the way. And that's on. my frittata. That's heavenly. Frittata. Right. Shall we get ready to go through? Have a quick revolve. Get the thing ready yes. and we'll be off. Now, what I'd like you to do, you take so those two. two. Like. All right. Yeah, be super. Oh. And I'll bring the other two. You go sit, sit in the, the middle. Oh, well, you set the table. You sit wherever you like. <laughs> Now, you have decided. We've got another lady the other side. Not as lovely as Just Laura. Just subscribe to the food. Now, we've got, <laughs> in mind, we've got here a frittata, so you can eat the, the meats out and have it all vegetarian, or use anything you like, and try and put one way to get rid of left leftovers. Right, left then we've got the one, the sweet one, which is made with cognac, and then the conserve and brandy, and then finally the one with the caviar and the smoked salmon. If you would like a complete set of the recipes we're featuring in the series, send a large self-addressed envelope with a 30 pence stamp on it to Hudson and Halls, P.O. Box 7, London W3, 6XJ. Lorna, oh, thank you very much indeed for being with us. It's lovely. wonderful to have you with us. And thank you to our audience here. We've appreciated you coming in and at home. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. But right to them after the show. <laughs> Hello, Lorna. How are you? 
I think she's frozen in time. Fro uh, Lorna. R Lorna, I think she's frozen. Lorna, can you hear me? Uh, she's there, but she's frozen. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, Lorna, I'm going to kick you from the studio and I want you to come back in. So I hope she can hear me. Uh, I, I, I told you, uh, Mercury is in re retrograde. So anything can and will happen. While I'm waiting for her to come back, uh, I will talk a little bit about Lorna and uh, why we are here tonight. Uh, Lorna has uh, an incredible new CD uh, out uh, called Rainbows. And Rainbows is a CD uh, that came out uh, actually in 1987. Uh, and she uh, performed with, are you ready for this? A 47 piece orchestra. And there are five new tracks on this CD. Here it is. Uh, and this has been remastered and these new tracks have been added to this uh, new CD and it has just come out and it is being released by Stage Door uh, Records. And so it's coming out uh, and you all uh, can take a little bit of Lorna home with you. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping that she is going to make it back to the studios. Uh, it's through Stage Door uh, CDs. Uh, I don't know where she is. Uh, I think she's coming back. Uh, let's hope that this works. And there Hello. she is. Hello. Hello, Lorna. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> I'm all about rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling myself laughing at that clip. Those two guys were absolutely insane. Yes, uh, you'll hear all about uh, rainbows if you don't know about it already. I was telling them about when you recorded it, the fact that it's been remastered and everything. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry I can't get any more light on in here for some reason or other. And I did put a quarter in the meter, so I know I'm, I'm paid up on electricity. So that's good. And you look great. And I'm so thrilled that you were here. Um, I'm going to ask the question that I ask everybody uh, as I begin every show. Who or what are you celebrating today? Uh, well, I'm celebrating the fact uh, that patriotic, why not? Patriotic and celebrating the release of Rainbows, which um, is, has been a, a, a labor of love in more ways than one. Now, patriotism is our word of the day. I choose a word every day. That's the word I chose. Yeah. What does patriotism mean to you, Lorna? Well, patriotism, I mean, as an American who has lived in, in London, in the UK for a long time, um, I find it, I love the fact that people will say, you know, where are you from? And they're, you know, and I say, Illinois, and uh, they're rather surprised by that. And I'm, I was. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to say I'm a small town girl from a town of two thousand people, and it rather surprises people. And um, uh, and patriotic. Listen, I used to sing all the American anthems at Wembley Stadium for the American football matches, and march out to the fifty yard line and and stand there and sing it. And it was it was quite thrilling to me. Uh, yeah, amazing. Well, we're going to talk about that road that led you there. Um, I start our shows with a surprise question. Uh, I used to call them a random question, but a friend of mine yes. said there are no random questions in life. So mm -hmm. the question I'm going to ask you is what activity do you enjoy so much that it makes you lose track of time? <laughs> what activity? Uh, I can... I can be out walking the dog and walking along and laughing at golfers doing duffer shots on the golf course where I walked her and lose complete track of time with that. Just laughing at golfers. That's that's wonderful. Now, now where I mean, where is your home base now? I mean, I know that you you travel a lot. Yeah. You're in New York a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but where where do you consider home? Any place you hang your hat, I know. But where it, do you consider your actual home uh, base these days? Where I am at the moment. And at the moment, I'm in New York. <laughs> uh, 
No, I, I have a home in London and a, an apartment in, in New York. And I love being back in New York because uh, being with old friends from theater and, and, and just the buzz of New York and being able to uh, get out and about very easily to meet friends for a coffee down the block or whatever, whatever, and, and catching up with cabaret shows of friends um, and looking out for your next date um, and and all of all of the buzz of New York. I love being back here. I must admit, it was great seeing you Monday night at the Stephen Schwartz event. Wasn't that a great event? It was. Fabulous and lovely seeing Kurt Peterson because years ago, before I went to London, Kurt and I were involved in the BMI workshops with Lehman Engel. Mm -hmm. And one day in one of the workshops, he turned around and pointed to the six of us on stage and he said, ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at the future of Broadway. And we're all standing there. We sort of gulped. Uh, but it was lovely seeing Kurt again. And uh, everyone who was on that evening was brilliant. Absolutely Everybody. brilliant. I mean, the, the material is, is fabulous, really fabulous. And I've sung many of those songs, particularly Children of the Wind and Meadowlark. Those are two of my favorites. Uh, and I'm telling you, I mean, speaking of Meadowlark, Liz Calloway, yeah. as many times as I've heard her sing that song, every single time she sings it, it's the first time for me. Because yes. it's just... And I know you know what I mean when I say that, because she just, it, 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 she embodies that song so wonderfully that it's like hearing it for the first time. And I was talking to Carolyn Montgomery this morning, who, of course, is the uh, president of ASA. And uh, I didn't realize that the evening was two hours. It ran longer than they had hoped that it was going to run. But I was saying to Carolyn Montgomery that it was one of those evenings that I wasn't aware of the time because it was so wonderful that it just exactly. it, it just flew by. It was just so incredible. Uh, well, the but, thing that stood out for me was when Ben Vereen came on stage and just magical, absolutely magical. Magic to do, magic to do, magic to do. Magic to do. Yeah. Well, Lorna, I asked for a photograph of you as a five-year-old. <laughs> and the reason I, and we got a couple of pictures, but I asked for a five-year-old yeah. picture. And those who watch the show know this about me, because to me, the five-year-old is, uh, is the purest self. It's that oh, moment uh, in before life begins to layer on who and what you should be or what people think you should be. Uh, teachers start telling you who you should be peer pressure, other kids. And I love this picture. Everyone, I want you to meet Lorna Jane. I love this. There she is. Look at that smile and the dimples. With my bangs. Oh, God. I love her. I'm in love with this. Is, do you have any memories of this photograph and that time frame? And what can you tell us about Lorna Jane? Oh, Lorna Jane. Uh, if, I was, if I was in trouble, Lorna Jane was what I was called. Uh, but anyway, that photo, I had a ponytail uh, when I was younger. And, and for many years, I had the long hair on the banks and, the, and a ponytail. And it used to be a photographer that would travel around and he all over the, the state. And he would make announcements when he would be in, in our area to take photos. His name was Olin Mills. I don't know if anyone remembers. Yes. Uh, I remember. That. Yes, well, that's an Olin Mills picture. And when he would come to Carrier Mills, and almost every year, actually, and uh, the family would have photos taken, but the Olin Mills, that was like a tradition, I guess. So, look, great fun, but, oh, God, that photo. Yes, I, I don't think I'll go back to wearing bangs again. And I don't well, think it'll take me a long time to put out a ponytail now. <laughs> because I also, and I love this picture, here you are. With okay. your fiddle. <laughs> oh, yes. Also with the bangs. So yes. at, at what age did you start to play the fiddle? Uh, at eight. And eight and nine. And um, when we would have the sort of town festival in Carrier Mills around Halloween time and all that, they would have these all these competitions. And they had the old fiddlers competition. And I would 
go up on stage and my I had these this outfit with the cuffs that turned up that had uh, colored flannel uh, patterns on it and it was all bright and, and all that. Anyway, uh, I would play Turkey in the Straw, which was the only tune that I know, knew at that point. And, my, and I would win a prize. It usually was something like a, a hat from, uh, from one of the merchants in, in town. And then uh, later on, there was another uh, contest. My parents suddenly heard this Turkey in the Straw being played on, on the stage and they looked up and there I was and I'd gone back up on stage to enter another competition that they didn't know about. And I won that one as well, because I don't think anyone else was, was in that category. And I think I won a $5 gift certificate from the local funeral home. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> Turkey in the Straw was, was my masterpiece on, on the violin, I must admit. And that, that bow, my gosh, that looks so huge now, but it was a little three quarter violin. Yeah, oh gosh. And here's another one, you know, and I oh, love you know, oh, this picture here. This one, this one was entitled Penny Pincher because my father was, was a builder in, in, the, in town and he helped build the bank there, Egyptian State Bank. And they wanted to have the first deposit in it. And the president said, well, Lauren, you can have your daughter Lorna make the first deposit. So I had this big jar, gallon jar of pennies so that's what's tucked under my arm. And I, I'm, I'm pushing all these pennies out to the, the teller there. I can't remember his name, but I was the first one to deposit any money into the Egyptian State Bank in Carrier Mills, Illinois. And here you are uh, at 13, you know, and at camp. <laughs> oh, gosh. You were really rubbing it in. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> But, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, you played the, uh, the fiddle, um, uh, <laughs> it was the fiddle, not the violin, the fiddle. Um, and, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> but when did you discover um, that you had this magnificent voice? Did you grow up in a musical household? Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, do you have siblings? And were they musical as well? My sister, my, my only sister, 10 years older than me, her name was Ellen, but I always called her Sissy, and subsequently everyone called her Sissy. Um, she had a magnificent voice, and I used to imitate her and try to imitate her, and I, uh, she was my idol. And she wanted to go into show business, but my parents were dead set against it because we were from the Bible Belt. And they thought, no, no, the uh, uh, show business was going to be wicked and sinful and all that. And they, they would not allow her to go into the show business. And uh, growing up then, I, as a 16-year-old, as a entered a national talent contest sponsored by Coca-Cola. And I kept winning all the, the heats of it, the local, the, the area, the district, and then uh, wound up at Town Hall in, in New York, and I won the finals. And uh, suddenly my parents could see that it was quite different from what they thought. And Sissy kept saying, look, let her do it. Let her do it. It's fine. So uh, at that time, with the Coke contest, I was off, should I say Coca-Cola, um, Anyway, it, uh, the, one of the prizes was a scholarship, or I could uh, take all sorts of offers. There, were, there was a Broadway show that was offered to me. I was offered television appearances of all kinds and everything. And, and it was a lot for a 16-year-old to, to take in at that point. And fortunately, my parents were very wise in allowing me to make the decision and I chose to go to university and follow in my sister's footsteps at Indiana University. It was the best decision I made because in, at Indiana University, I had the most wonderful teacher and I was allowed to, to grow up. In, uh, I was suddenly on a campus of like 40,000 students at that time and uh, quite different from a town of 2,000 people. So a lot of things, the world opened up to me at Indiana University. 
And uh, I had the most wonderful teacher there, Virginia McWaters, who taught me, well, when I auditioned to study with her, uh, she was a tiny little redhead, about five foot, barely five foot. And she came tottering across the room in these ridiculously high heels, which Sherry Eakin would love. Anyway, she tottered across the room. She took my hand in her face and she said, my dear, a beautiful book has been started. I can only add chapters. And wow. that was so profound for at that time, then I was 17 to, to hear that. And I had had this teacher in school, starting out voice, who was in her 80s, Pearl Sherman. My sister had studied with her. So to go from Mrs. Sherman to this woman, uh, Virginia McWaters, whom I call Miss Mack, I, I had the most superb, loving mentorship of anyone. I was so darn lucky. And McWaters... As I say, it was not only voice lessons, but it was life lessons. And she used to say to me, Lorna, remember, voice isn't everything. Voice isn't everything. And it took a while for me to understand what she meant by that. Uh, certainly when I went to London and I performed with Dame Cleo Lane in Showboat, I suddenly thought, yes, I know what she means. Lyrics, lyrics, lyrics. And I was sitting at the feet of the master with Cleo Lane. And boy, did it change my whole outlook. So I, I had the most wonderful time of, of growing up and into the artist I am today, thankfully, to those people in my life. Ah, there I am with Cleo. Yes. Oh, I love that woman. I mean... I got my, you mentioned Sherry Eaker, I, to drop a name, I won my Bistro Award the same year that Dame Cleo Lane got hers. So that to me was <laughs> the biggest thing to be on that stage the same, and Bobby oh, Sherman as well. Uh, Bobby Sherman, no. uh, Bobby Short, Bobby yeah. Short as well. Uh, I want to go back for a moment. Uh, you And I'm so it, it's because it means so much to me that you refer to these mentors and you mention them by name because I, it, that's so important. Uh, going back to these mentors, and you mention also the life lessons that they're teaching you. Uh, <laughs> as this is happening with you, yeah. at what point do you begin to think, perhaps I could have a career at this? Um. It was in university then that I thought that it would be a career for me. Um, as I said, I, I decided to change from, from going into medicine into to music then, and certainly the Coca-Cola contest changed all of that. Um, and in university, Miss McWaters, or Miss Mack, should I say, wa wanted me desperately to go into opera. And... I did a, a year with the Met, but it wasn't for me. And I, I was allowed to use that year to to really make up my mind that it was musical theater that I really wanted to do. And um, yes, that, that set the whole thing. And then, of course, um, uh, the audition, well, crazy adventures of, of going to London and being cast in Showboat. But before that, uh, in New York, when I came, first came to New York then, I met two wonderful people. I met Don Goldman, composer, and Hal Hackaday, a lyricist who wrote the lyrics oh, for yeah. Peanuts and Minnie's Boys. Yes. And I used to do all their backers auditions. And one of the show, well, the show basically was Ambassador. And I did all the backers auditions for that. And with, with John Cullum, who was wonderful, and um, anyway, uh, they wanted to go to London to get uh, a backing there in West End management. And I said, well, if we can sort it out into, with my diary, I will go over to London and do it for you. And within 10 days, they, said, they rang back and said, is your passport in order? We've got a date to go. And it was in London that we did the backers auditions and raised a ton of money for the show. And it did go on in London and eventually in New York after that. But 
In the meantime, I had gotten showboat, so I was not able to do ambassador either in London or in New York because I'd gotten showboat. Well, um, I want to talk about that for a moment because there are yeah. these little forks that happen in the road or turning points. Yeah. And showboat, of course, truly changed your life in more ways than one. It did. It uh, did. And uh, how, first of all, I mean, did you have an agent or a manager at the time? How did that audition happen for you? Well, uh, this, is, this is crazy because... Uh, during these backers auditions, they were held at the dance center in, on Floral Street in London. And in this uh, little studio that the room was packed uh, and we had, we were doing like five, six of these uh, presentations during the day. And they were like an hour and a half. And it was all, I was singing all the characters and all the female roles and dialogue and everything. And uh, at the first one in the morning at 10 o'clock, uh, this gentleman at the end of, of the presentation, he jumped up. He said, "Oh, my name is Ray Cook. Um, I would love to talk to you. We're doing a pre we're, I'm doing a production of Showboat. I'm conducting it." And I said, "Well, how wonderful! It's a great show and all that." I said, "Excuse me, but I really have to step outside of the studio and get some fresh air. I need to." And he said, "Well, I'll walk with you." So he walked with me outside the the studios and and the end of the block and he's chatting without showboat all the way and I got to the end of the block and I said look I have to go back now I've got my breath, breath of fresh air so I said really lovely meeting you thank you very much and I wish you all the best with showboat so I go back to the studio do these other presentations during the day and at the about the third or fourth presentation uh, the room was packed and this man was like sitting at my feet and I motioned. I said, oh, there's a seat. He says, no, no, no. And he stayed right at my feet. Anyway, at the end of that presentation, he jumped on and says, hi, my name is Ian Bevan. I'm uh, I'm uh, uh, an agent and I'm casting Showboat. And I said, how wonderful. Someone else was in earlier about this, you know. And I and he said, oh, can we talk? And I said, well, I have to go. I said, I have two more of these presentations to do, and I just need a breath of fresh air. So he walked me out on the street and walking to the end of the block again. I'm chatting, da, 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 all that. And at the end of the block, I said, thank you very much. Lovely meeting you. Bye-bye. Go back in and do the rest of the, of the presentations. And then at the end of the week, uh, the uh, we'd finished all the presentations. We raised a lot of money to do the show, and the producers. We had a wonderful uh, champagne dinner and all, and and we were. Uh, I was flying out the next day, coming back to New York because I was booked to do a show with Bob Hope in Montreal, and I had to be back in New York to fly on to Montreal. Anyway, um, in the morning, I was out sort of sightseeing in London, the crack of dawn, running up the steps at St. Paul's and all that. And I stopped to make a phone call to the agent there, Felix DeWolf, and to thank him for his courtesy. And the secretary answered and she said, Miss Dallas, we've been trying to reach you all morning. Harold Feeling wants to see you. And I said, Harold Feeling? What? And she said, yes, he wants to see you at Drury Lane Theater. And at this time, it was 1227, I think it was. And I was on the top floor of Harrods. And anyway, she said, it's at one o'clock. And I said, oh, my, I don't think I can make it at one. I, I might be a few minutes late. And I could hear the phone drop at the other end. And it was sort of like this. And I thought, anyway, I hung up. I dashed back to the hotel. And madly enough, as it seems, I jumped in the shower and changed clothes and grabbed music out of my suitcase, which I packed for the airport grabbed that, ran down to the, the lobby, and Don Goman, the composer, was there. And I said, you're coming with me. And he said, what are we doing? I said, you're playing the piano for me. <laughs> anyway, in the taxi, we're on our way to Dury Lane Theater, and I'm trying to boop, 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 and sort of warm up and thinking, this is absolutely insane. And we get to the stage door of Dury Lane Theater, and it's packed with, with people all around it. And I thought, oh, gosh, a cattle call. Suddenly, this gentleman runs out, and it was Ian Bevan. He said, Miss Dallas. And I said, oh, how, how lovely to see you again. He's right this way. And he ushered me into the bare stage at Drury Lane Theater with a work light and a piano on it. 
and Wendy Toy, the director, came running down to the stage, and Ian uh, and, and uh, Harold Feeling, the, the producer, and uh, Ray Cook was there. And I said, oh, lovely to see you again. And I said, would you sing for us? So I sang, and then Wendy said, oh, could you please do a reading for us? And I said, it'll have to be a very cold reading because I have to catch a plane. So they hand me the script, and I sort of glanced at the page, and I said, yes, thank you. I read the, the scene with the stage manager, and then I said, please excuse me, but I really have to go. And I'm going out the stage door, Mr. Feeling's following me like a puppy dog, and all, on the way out, all the way to the, the taxi, virtually hanging on to it as it were pulling away, he says, Miss Dallas, so lovely meeting I said, lovely meeting you, and I wish you all the best with Showboat. <laughs> I and love it. Back to the hotel, I grabbed my bag and Don Goldman with me, and we tear away to the airport. And on the plane, we're killing ourselves laughing. I said, well, that was a lovely adventure, wasn't it? And I think it was six weeks later that the phone call came at six o'clock in the morning in New York. Felix DeWolf said, they want you in London for Magnolia and Showboat. And I'm like, well, it's six o'clock in New York. I've got to talk to my agent here. And he said, what time will he be in his office? I said, 9.30 or 10. He said, I will ring you back at 10.30. So that's how it all came about. And I, uh, they, could not, they could not offer me the contract that day. When I walked on stage, they knew immediately that they wanted me. And uh, I think there were about 790 people that had auditioned for it. They had to show that they had exhausted everyone in the UK for that role and to sign me to do the role. So that was what it was like back then. And I, I think it was like six weeks after I took that phone call, I was on a plane to London with the contract for Showboat. And, and uh, you know, and it ended up becoming your home. And, and I fell in love with London in more ways than one. I really do. And how did you and Gary meet? <laughs> well, um, and I, yeah, I and I love this. I love okay. this. Okay, it's absolutely true. The picture in the middle, the one that with the captain and, and the words written on, that is a photo. He was an agent, the exclusive agent for Cunard, booking all their Cunard ships. And the QE2 was the main one. Anyway. Um, he was sent photos and tapes of people and everything. One day he opened this envelope and it was that picture. And he turned to his secretary and he says, that's the woman I'm going to marry. And he wrote on the back of the picture. And anyway, uh, it was oh, a few weeks after that, he had gone to see a speciality act in Eastbourne at the Congress Theater. And lo and behold, the curtain rises and I'm co uh starring in the show with Tom O'Connor, a British comedian. And I come out on stage doing the opening number, and he's sitting there with his children. Gary was a widower, and he dragged the children along because he had to audition this group. Anyway, he's saying, ah, there's that girl I'm going to marry. And the next morning, he rang my agent and said, uh, I want to book Lorna Dallas for uh, three weeks on the QE2. He said, I was in the show last night. Anyway, my agent rang in, and uh, I said, Gary, who? And she said, oh, he's, he, he books all of Cunard. I said, well, someone said someone from Cunard was in. Anyway, she said, three weeks. I said, no, 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 I don't want to be on a ship for three weeks. So about an hour later, she rings back. She said, how about two weeks? I said, no, I do not want to be on a ship for two weeks. <laughs> so 45 minutes later, this is the gospel I think that's the secret to your career, pretty hard to get. <laughs> Anyway, she rings back and she says, how about six days from Istanbul to Athens on the world cruise? I said, fine, I can do six days. So I said, please, could I have Mr. Brown's number? I'd like to discuss with him my program, make sure it's right for the passenger profile. So she gives me the number. I ring him and he's oh, Miss Dallas, I'm a very busy man and all this. And he said, Tuesday at four o'clock, but ring me that morning because... Uh, I could very well have had a call and had to fly around the world or whatever. So I thought, oh, fine. And on the phone, I thought, gosh, what an old fuddy-duddy. Anyway, I hang up, 
And on the Tuesday morning, I ring him first thing. And he said, sure enough, he said, oh, Miss Ellis, I'm very, very busy. I won't be able to see you at four. So I said, fine, I'll see you on Friday at four. And I hung up. And on Friday at four, I turn up at his office, which was a separate wing of the house. And the door opens and my heart skips a beat. I, whoo, I thought, he is cute. <laughs> and I thought, not an old fuddy-duddy after all. And my heart was pounding out of my chest. And then I hear this voice behind me, hello, Dad. And I thought, oh, no, he's a married man. Forget it, Lorna. So I, you know, I go in and we're having tea and discussing my program. And I thought, oh, he's so lovely. And I, anyway, I left that day. And I think it was five weeks later, I, I get to the airport to fly out to the, the ship to Istanbul, and I uh, go up to the lounge, and who should be there but Mr. Brown. And I said, oh, hello, lovely seeing you again, and, you know, fancy seeing you here. And he said, yes. He said, you're flying out today? I said, yes, to Istanbul. I said, yes, so am I. Oh, how interesting. Get on board, and who should be sitting next to me but Mr. Brown. <laughs> and during the course of the conversation, I find out that he's a widower, and he finds out that I'm not married to an American doctor, which he had thought. And the ball game changed. And wow. when we, uh, we arrived in Istanbul, uh, the car was not there from the ship to collect us, and we got a taxi. And I swear the taxi driver was hopped up to the eyeballs. And I'm in the back seat with a set of Greek worry beads as we're going through all sorts of red lights and everything and I'm thinking oh gosh I've met the man of my dreams and I'm not going to get to know him any better <laughs> we did make it to the ship about midnight and anyway after that it yeah the wooing and pursuing began and we were married on Valentine's Day in 1982 but I truly met the man of my dreams I really wow. had well, God bless him. Uh, we are, I know we're, we're going to run out of time, but we need to talk about rainbows. Uh, yes. This 1987, yeah. uh, when you first did the album, 47-piece orchestra. Yes. In, the, in the days when you could go in and do that, uh, Lorna, will we ever have that again? No, I don't think so. But I did a BBC series. I, had, I did four for the BBCs of my own shows. And I worked with the BBC radio orchestra for those. And that was a 72 piece orchestra. So I was used to the large orchestras and I had orchestrations for them and I loved it. And so when I did this album, I thought I really want to have an orchestra. So um, yes, it, it, it was a labor of love. And uh, those songs that I recorded at that time I had the cream of the crop of arrangers, uh, Peter Knight, who, who did arrangements for Barbara Streisand's album uh, and musical instruments, that, that one. Um, I had Robert Farnon, who did arrangements for Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. Uh, uh, Laurie Holloway, who did arrangements for uh, Tom Jones and people like that. Uh, I had Laurie on piano. and. And uh, it, it was such a joy and recorded the album. And then uh, Tim Hutton, then just this past year or this year earlier, no, past year, 2021, rang me and said, Lorna, he said, I have this album. And he said, I love it, but have you, have you released it on CD? And I said, no, we didn't. And he said, I would like to do that. Do you own the rights? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, oh, I would love to do it. I said, wonderful. Great to have it out again. It, it, and anyway, I said, and I may have some bonus tracks for you. And I found four bonus tracks that were recorded at that time, which, which are on the CD. And I'm really thrilled about those. Including, because... I mean, speaking of Barbara Streisand, you have mm -hmm. a Yentl medley that... Oh. Uh, uh, that is six, seven minutes of, uh, how many? Five minutes, five minutes, 15, I think it is. Wow. And it's epic. It really is epic. And, and Peter Knight arranged that one. Um, 
um, another, well, another song I put on that, My Funny Valentine, which Peter, and that was the last song he ever orchestrated before he died. And of course, My Funny Valentine is special because married on Valentine's Day. Why not? Um, then Moonfall by Rupert Holmes is one of the bonus tracks. And oh, we saw on I, Monday night. Uh, were you, I mean, yeah. Did you reconnect with Rupert Holmes on Monday night? Were you able to? I wasn't able. I missed him. So I've got I've got to contact him because I want to get the CD to him. When it when the album came out and uh, I sent a copy of of the Moonfall track to him, but I was sorry it couldn't go on the album because at that time you were limited about the number of time that could go on the album, and I was advised not to put too many unknown songs on this uh, because of getting airplay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I was talked out of doing putting Moonfall on at that time and, and the Yentl and Simple I think it was from. Um, um, simple from uh, ooh, uh, show's gone out of my head. Anyway, it'll come to me during your moment. Anyway, um, uh, those tracks that I had, so I was pleased to be able to put those out on the CD. But Rupert was sent a, a copy of the recording ages ago, and he wrote in some magazine that mine was the finest recording that he'd heard of it. It was so wonderful. And I thought, oh, now I've got to send him the CD. So I have to get the CD to him. So I, I don't have his current address, and I, I missed him on, on Monday night. So. Well, he's here in Rockland County. I'll get it to you. I'll get it for you. Thank you. Thank you so, very much. Uh, Stage Door Records, everybody. Uh, go to their website. It's easy to remember, Stage Door Records. And uh, shout out to them because they have just been absolutely incredible in terms of letting people know about your being here tonight. So thank them for that. Um, I end, as we wind down tonight, mm -hmm. and thank you for being here. Uh, this thank hour has flown for Sorry, me. Sorry, there's no more light uh, here. I, I don't know what's no, going on. no, you're just perfect. Uh, I do my homage to James Lipton inside the Actors Studio. So I've got some uh, hopefully fun questions that I'm gonna ask here. <laughs> and the first question that I'm gonna ask you tonight yes. And, uh, and I'm going to bring this up so that everyone knows that uh, as we started tonight, uh, the word for today is patriotism. patriotism. Uh, and uh, so if you use hashtag patriotism, uh, you will have a chance uh, to win this CD tonight. And I will get it to you. Sign it. I will sign so, it, whoever yeah. wins. You'll sign it? Yes. And I you'll get it to them. Pardon? You'll get it to them? You'll get it to them? I will get it to them. I will oh. sign it and send it to them. Uh, that's even better. Okay. So the first question that I'm going to ask you is, what is the most satisfying thing besides walking your dog by the golf courses uh, that you do each day or each week? One of the most satisfying days, uh, part of my day is thinking back on my dear late husband and thinking of the wonderful times we had and the positivity that he um, he so inspired in me and uh, gave me the courage to do a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do. That's one of one of my most great greatest things to do in the day. I love that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, when it comes to your career, What's the biggest single result that you desire to have before this year ends? Uh, obviously, I want to be able to, to come back to New York and, and find a date to do the show here. Uh, the new show, Glamorous Nights and Rainy Days, which is quite special. Um, and I, I just want to, for people to enjoy and be enlightened and find something from my shows that inspires them and lifts them in some way. Because all of my shows worked on with Barry Kleinbord and Chris Denny, they have a journey to them. And I hope that anyone who sees the shows will go on that journey with me and find that they have a smile at the end of the journey and they've, they've had a good time. That's great. Um, what are you good at that might surprise those that know you uh, besides putting out fires in kitchens? <laughs> uh, I'm very good at barbecues. But I mentioned in that clip 
I do a great uh, marinade and I do a great hamburger. And my stepson used to love to bring his, his mates home from school and, and I would do a barbecue because I made them about a, a pound, I think, each. And, uh, oh, yes, they were, they were very well fed. So uh, people may not realize that, but I'm great at barbecues. And I'm, I, I could be for hire for that. Who knows? This summer. Well, Lorna, I, I will hire you to come to my house this summer and do <laughs> <laughs> Here in Rockland County, and I'll get Rupert Holmes here, too. We'll make oh, it wonderful. Happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, what's the worst thing that you feel that you've done in your profession? Oh, God. Worst thing? Oh, jeez. Uh, the, the worst thing was when I double booked myself for New Year's Eve in London at the Cafe Royal and then across at the Savoy Hotel. And uh, we did the Cafe Royal. That was fine. But getting around at the Savoy was, was great difficulty. And we had to go through Trafalgar Square and, of course, all the oh, other So the car was, yeah, that was nearly... Uh, Yes, we were bombarded with all sorts of, of flying vessels. Uh, but I did make it to the Savoy in time, but it was rather... And so I decided then I would never do New Year's Eve gigs again. Oh, I uh, that, That's the one night out of the year that I do not like performing. So no. uh, what lessons did you learn this week uh, to help make next week a better week? Patience. Uh, yes. patience with trying to find a light that works here. Because, um, <laughs> yes, and, and haven't yet, but it'll probably come on and be absolutely perfect when we go off. I, probably the patience in in sorting a lot of, of things out and uh, just remembering what Gary taught me and instilled in me. And um, yeah, certainly this week with a lot of various things. Okay. In which part of this week did your time go the fastest and the slowest? Uh, just before this program, trying to get the, the uh, technical issues sorted out. And I wish it had gone much slower, but it was going so fast. Anyway, um, probably probably that. Um, but the, the days seem to fly by here because I'm always so busy here. And I, I love being able to, to be out and with friends and and being able to get around to a lot of places so easily. Because uh, in the UK, I live outside London. So it's always a, a journey in and, and train or car or whatever. But, but here in New York, I'm you know, a stone's throw from, from anyone and, and everyone. And, and uh, so my calendar gets quite full with coffee mornings and, and rehearsals and, and seeing shows in the evening and, and various things like that. So. Oh, wonderful. Uh, how do you want others to see you, especially after tonight's interview? Um, I hope they realize that I have a sense of humor because probably a lot of people see me. I'm extremely shy in person when I'm around a lot of people I don't know. And I know that a lot of people at some of the cabarets or probably on Monday night, uh, I, because I, I don't know them. And I am very, very shy, really. But on stage, I'm a different animal. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I hope that they realize that I have a, a, a sense of humor. And I really do like to know about people. And if they just come up and say, hi, Lorna, then it's fine. I'm, I'm away with the fairies then, and, and I'm, I'm okay. But uh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I love you. And this has just been so much fun with me tonight. Um, how did you embody... Uh, being assertive today prior to the show? How did I embody being assertive? By taking six deep breaths, which Gary always used to tell me, and I took the six deep breaths before all of this, and as we were counting in to go on, on, on air as such, uh, and with all the, the difficulties, and holding my tongue on that. But anyway, uh, yes, taking six deep breaths. And we got here. Yes, we got this, here eventually. And this is my last question tonight. Whose talent mm -hmm. among the people that you know do you most admire? Whose talent? 
well, well, of course, Streisand. Were, that's a given. But I love, I love Amanda McBroom because she's a great observer, and I saw her show in New York uh, last week, and she was. You know what? Uh, excuse me for interrupting you. What Amanda, amazing I, was that she that Bette Midler and her met for the first time. Isn't that, that amazing? Show? 40 some odd years. But I, I have to tell you, Amanda and Anne Hampton Calloway, I, I had an experience during lockdown that uh, one night, obviously I was alone, and I I felt the most passionate kiss on my lips. And I, I woke up, I wasn't frightened, but I was anxious. I looked around and the room was dark, but there was a this warm glow about it. And I looked at the clock and it was 2.47 in the morning. And that was the exact time that I, Gary died in my arms and went to heaven. And I thought, he's come back to me at a time that I really needed because we've been in lockdown and in isolation on our own for so long and needed that, that personal touch again. And he came back to me that night and I related that experience to several friends and Unbeknownst to me, two lovely ladies, Belinda Wright and Laura Scott in London, uh, commissioned Anne and Amanda to write the, a song for me based on that experience and the words that I spoke at, at Gary's funeral when I said, uh, Gary told me not to mourn him, but to miss him. And uh, uh, I said, yes, I will miss him. I miss looking into his loving eyes and loving smile. I miss his arms around me, I miss his lips on mine, but my heart is full. And Amanda used those words, and the song In My Dreams was written for me, and it is in the new show. And the ladies commissioned that song for me, so it is quite special. Wow, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, we're going to give away your CD now, and mm -hmm. I will show you how this works. I'm okay. going to go here, I'm going to click on this, and uh, we'll see who our winner is tonight. Uh, let's see here. Doug McAllister. Uh, Doug, uh, Doug has been working today on creating uh, some merchandise for me. So see, yeah. Doug, uh, a good deed, uh, and you get something in return. So thank Hi, you. I'm going to uh, put you in touch with each other. And uh, thank you. Okay. And uh, he'll get the signed CD. I'm going to remove this. Don't go anywhere for a moment, Lorna. I want to say my closing remarks, and then I'm going to leave the screen and give you the chance to say your closing remarks tonight. It can be about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish that we had, or just anything you want to say to anyone who's watching right now. Don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Um, and I just want to say to everyone, thank you for being here, first of all. Um, I chose the word patriotism tonight, and patriotism is not just about uh, devotion to country. When I think about patriotism, I think it's about how we treat each other. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how we treat each other. Um, a lot's been going on right now in the theater. Uh, the Tony nominations have come out, and people make their predictions on the winners and the losers and everything. I don't weigh in on who got a nomination and who didn't get a nomination. And my reasons for that is because anyone who shows up to do the work is a winner, in my uh, opinion. So I celebrate everybody who shows up. Uh, there's been a lot that's been said about the actor in Take Me Out, whose photographs were taken on stage uh, and have been leaked. And now they're putting infrared lights in the theater uh, so that hopefully it will not happen again. Um, boundaries. Respect the boundaries of an artist on stage doing their job. The same thing happened to Audra McDonald. Uh, it's a very difficult thing for an actor on stage to bear their soul and their body uh, and for someone to cross that boundary and to take a photograph for salacious purposes and to share that. Uh, that's not patriotic. Uh, in my opinion, on any level. Um, and uh, Beanie Feldstein, uh, and I actually wrote to a critic tonight 
because she referred to her size on stage. And I said, words matter. So think before you describe a person's physicality on stage. And that's, I want us to all respect each other. And I say this again and again and again, social media uh, can be an incredible place if we allow it to be. And what we all need to do is there are three elements of social media, liking, commenting, and sharing, if it's going to build up. And if you see something that's mm -hmm. negative or that's going to tear somebody down, uh, either delete it or hide it. Don't mm -hmm. share it and don't let it get perpetrated over and over again. And that's my message for everyone tonight. So I also end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the fourth person that pops up in your feed and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message. Um, Lorna knows what it's like to lose someone that matters so much to you. I too uh, know the, that feeling. Um, and so life is precious and we need to tell those that we love how much they mean to us. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to Stage Your Records. Everybody write this down. And I want you to order two copies of Rainbows, the expanded version. And I want you to keep one for yourself. And then I want you to send one to the fourth person on your friends list. And I want you to let them know what they mean to you. Because music is a healer. And Lorna's music is definitely a healer. Uh, I've been listening to her all day. And my God, do I love your music. Uh, so with that, I want to wish everyone to have a wonderful night. Uh, as my dear friend Sean Moniger says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. But as I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So Lorna... <laughs> I'm going to leave the screen. You got the final word. And again, don't worry about how to end it. I know what I'm doing. Uh, it's all yours, Lorna. And thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Well, I, I've been so enjoyed being able to speak with you. And, and I would love to be with you in person. And I, I have to say that it's been exhilarating for me uh, coming back after a, a time of being away from from performing on stage to spend time with Gary, which I don't regret at all. Uh, it's sort of like 20 years away, but um, those 20 years were golden to me. And I hope that you find someone as special in your life as I had in mine. And I still have it as proof of that experience, that dream was. But um, coming back to the stage, I was so embraced for a Sondheim gala Theatre Royal, Drury Lane, I was so warmly embraced by my peers that evening that it made me feel that I was home again, uh, being back on stage, and how much I really loved it. And I hope that any song that I sing from now on, if you see me in person or hear it, you know it's coming from my heart. I can only sing that way, um, because music is a joy for me, it's a release, and it is my communication. Um, I've often said that I am the vessel of the song, and if I'm the vessel of a song that reaches you and touches you, wonderful. I've succeeded, and that makes me very happy. I look forward to seeing many of you in the future, uh, on stage, off stage, please let me know you've watched this show uh, and do come to a show where I am performing. But most of all, I hope to hear from you one way or the other. And I wish each and every one of you a joyful, happy day full of music. Thank you. Good night.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.